Welcome to episode 103 of the Steady On podcast, Forgiveness Road, with me, Angie Bauman, and my guest today, Brad Hambrick. I once heard Brene Brown say that forgiveness is letting go of the belief that the past can change. I've thought of that statement often, and it's helped me take steps forward on the road to forgiveness in several areas of my life. And something Brad Hambrick said in today's interview about forgiveness also made a significant impact on me. When I asked him about living out a forgiveness decision, he provided three indicators or three choices that we can make as we journey towards forgiveness. And they are number one, not reducing someone to the choice they made that hurt me. Number two is laying down my trump card, laying down that thing that they did that hurt me when I have the opportunity to pick it up and remind them of it. And number three is not degrading the character of the person who hurt me. And Brad and I talked about those three ideas for a while, and then I circle back to it even, and I invite you to listen to his insights around it. I think it is practical and helpful and profound. My scripture verse this week is one that Brad refers to also. It's a part of Romans 8.26, and it says in the NLT, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. The verse is talking about how when we pray, it's okay if we don't know what to say or what to ask. Because when we come to God with a need, he knows how to help us along the way. It doesn't decrease the effectiveness of our prayer if we simply say, Lord, I don't even know what to ask you for. I've been there with God with this whole forgiveness thing. It's tangly and it's tricky. And sometimes it's one step forward and two steps back. That's okay. You will not hear from me a just forgive and forget instruction. I know how hard this is. I know sometimes we want to forgive and we can't because we don't even know what forgiveness feels like or looks like. I get it. I have situations in my life from which I'm free now, and I have others that are still quite a struggle for me. It was good to talk to Brad about this difficult topic. He is a counselor at heart and his cadence is slow and peaceful. He doesn't get in a hurry, and I suspect it's because he knows that God isn't hurrying us through this process either. I hope you're encouraged today. Let's listen in. Hello, Steady On community, and welcome to this podcast episode. I'm Angie Bauman, and with me today is Brad Hambrick. Brad, thank you so much for joining us today. It's my pleasure. Thank you for the invitation. We're going to talk about forgiveness, so you can buckle your seatbelts today, because that is a tough topic, but Brad has written a book recently, and he comes to that topic as the pastor of counseling at the Summit Church in Durham, North Carolina. Um, He's an assistant professor of biblical counseling at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. And so, Brad, can I just ask, why tackle a subject like this? I know you use a metaphor to define forgiveness. Maybe you could share that with us and just a little bit about why in your work you feel like this is a topic that has warranted the kind of time you have to put into it in order to write a book. Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, You know, in some ways, um, forgiveness is central. In a lot of ways, forgiveness is central to everything that we are as Christians. Uh, I mean, the reason Christ came uh, was to pay our sin debt. And so uh, I think when we're doing interpersonal ministry, uh, when we're caring for one another and forgiveness is relevant, we can almost be like that annoying middle school student who's like, ooh, ooh, I know the answer, I know the answer, I know the answer, and we get so excited about the answer that we can really rush the person that we're caring for. Mm -hmm. Subjects that we're not sure, and our uncertainty makes us better listeners. 
Um, but when we feel like uh, the answer is one that we know, that we're passionate about, that uh, we've heard lots of sermons and messages on that uh, was a pivotal point in our own life when we embrace Christ's forgiveness. Uh, our enthusiasm uh, can cause us to rush one another uh, in ways that, I, that most often is not intentional, um, but it can be really disruptive. Uh, and so uh, the, the heart behind writing the book uh, was not to change the destination, uh, but to slow us down and help us move towards the definition, uh, destination at a human pace. Um, you also mentioned metaphor. Yeah. Uh, I think base metaphor that is intuitive for most people uh, is uh, forgiveness is retiring a debt. Uh, that, um, you know, if an offense is like a debt, we see that metaphor in scripture uh, a good bit. Um, you know, that metaphor, I think, helps us because uh, sometimes uh, because forgiveness is a main thing, we treat it as if it is everything. Uh, but if we just use the, the metaphor of retiring a debt and say, I can retire a debt that you owe me without giving you a second loan. I can retire the debt that you owe me without going into business with you again. I can be faithful in what God requires of me without being a doormat. Uh, and so that relationship between forgiveness and trust, uh, between forgiveness and relying on you in the same ways that I did before, uh, those are related but separate choices. And so when we're commanded to forgive, uh, it's not that that command is cruel or mean. Uh, there's a lot of freedom that God wants for us when he uh, says that we are to forgive. Sometimes when we lump everything that is relationally restorational into forgiveness, we get spooked uh, by something that um, that's really God's kindness and goodness towards us. And so I hear you saying, because you call it a journey, navigate the journey of forgiveness. It's not a one and done. And I hear you saying that sometimes I think we think, well, you just need to forgive that person. Either we tell that to someone else or we take that on ourselves. We just need to forgive that person. And because I think a lot of times we don't actually know either what that means or what that feels like. And so we're not sure we're, we've done it. We're not sure we can do it. We're not sure what it means to have done it or if it makes us strong to do it, or if it makes us weak to do it, right? There's all these, I think, mixed right. or confusing things that are linked and wrapped around forgiveness because conceptually it sounds right and good. And, and, and we know we are forgiven and we know we're called to forgive other people. But when you've been deeply wounded, what that really looks like is unique, I think, right? I think that would you call the journey unique for us depending on what's happened? I would be very comfortable with that. Um, that, uh, you know, the, the starting point is the same. You know, every journey towards forgiveness begins with hurt. Um, and uh, there's a spot that we are moving towards uh, that is greater emotional freedom. 
uh, and hopefully some relational restoration. Uh, not all of that depends on us, sometimes depends on the other person, but that starting point and ending point um, are the same, if not very comparable, uh, regardless of the journey. Um, you know, between the two points, we have a faithful shepherd that is walking with us, uh, but the journey is unique between those two points based on a myriad of factors about the relationship, the type of hurt, the role the person played in our life, um, any number of things that we can get so excited about the answer that we just try to flatten those. I think for a lot of people, for myself, I'll say for myself, it has, it has made a difference whether that where whether it's an ongoing relationship that is needing forgiveness because I'm bound by something you're right that's holding me that's creating bitterness or insecurity or whatever some of those things yes or if it's someone who is not in my life anymore for a variety of reasons and it's just completely in the past and I think those two things for me anyway that has been a very different journey depending on the current status of the relationship as well. Absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, we might think, ah, it's necessarily easier to forgive a stranger than it is uh, a spouse or a parent or a child. Well, unless that stranger assaulted us. Right. Mm -hmm. And then it's not just what they did. It's the haunting presence of when it might happen again. And that, um, you know, that's where I think a misconception of forgiveness comes in. Uh, because forgiveness is usually like the climactic scene of a movie uh, and it's right there at the end, we think forgiveness means all better. Means I'm done, I'm healed, I'm restored. It um, That uh, forgiveness is much more of a commitment about what I'm going to do with what happened uh, than it is a declaration that it's all already done. Yes, Jesus did what needed to be done for me to be able to forgive you, uh, and I can see that and recognize that, uh, but the intrapersonal work, the work within me, I'm as much making a commitment about what I will continue to do with this as I am declaring what I have already done with it. I'm doing it based on what Jesus has already done. But like anything on our side of the equation, it's progressive. Yes. And especially if the relationship is ongoing, I think you, you make your decisions based on your choice to forgive. Like even if, uh, see if I can say this in a way that sort of makes sense. For, to, for me, sometimes my experience has been, I do want to forgive this person, maybe for something that's happened and they're still in my life. And today something new has happened and I have a choice in front of that, right? Do I live in the forgiveness of that? make my, my behavior decision based on it, or do I not? And so sometimes I think that that's part of the journey too, is no, I I choose to live in an attitude of forgiveness for this. And what does that look like today? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You, you mentioned, oh, go ahead. I don't want to cut you off. No, I I think we were maybe both going to transition to like, what does that look like? Yes, exactly. Yeah. When I, when I'm making that ongoing commitment, Uh, And we might even put that in the plural of like, what kind of commitments am I making when I say the words, I forgive you? Um, And uh, for me, uh, and I don't think this is like a first person thing. I think there's elements of scripture that, that reinforce this, but it was helpful to think of it in terms of three dimensions. 
there's like what I'm saying I'm going to do internally. Um, and so when, when I say I forgive you, uh, one of the things I'm saying is I'm not going to reduce you to your sin against me. Uh, and uh, so there, uh, I, I like images uh, that I can kind of wrap my mind around a little bit. Um, you know, the difference between this person in our life being a two-dimensional and a three-dimensional character. You know, in Winnie the Pooh, uh, all of the characters are two-dimensional. I mean, you know, Piglet's a warrior, and uh, Owl's the really smart one, and Tigger's the extrovert, and, um, you know, Eeyore's the glass half-empty kind of guy. And you know exactly what you're going to get from every character because they're two-dimensional. Um, when we are hurt, there is a tendency we have to reduce the person who hurt us to how they hurt us in such a way that they become a two-dimensional character. That is all that they are in our world. Um, uh, and then there's, uh, you know, that's the within me. Then there's the between us, uh, the commitment of, I'm not going to leverage this against you. Like in a moment when I could play this like a trump card in spades. Don't step on my toes now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, remember when you did this. When yes. I, I forgive you. Mm -hmm. I'm laying down my trump card. It doesn't mean that this is completely irrelevant. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the themes that, um, you know, when people, you know, you kind of know what resonates with people about what they quote back to you when you write something. Uh, on that vein, one of the excerpts that I hear people speak back a lot is, you know, forgiveness doesn't mean I'm not hurt anymore. Yeah. Forgiveness means I'm willing to express hurt as hurt rather than hurt as anger. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, between us, if, if what happened is relevant for this moment, if I've got a twinge because this echoes, uh, the then and there is intruding into the here and now and if I'm just going to be an honest, authentic person with you, I need to be able to talk about that. Hey, friend, I'm cutting in right here to ask you a couple of questions. Do you ever have a heart that is heavy? Do you ever connect with words like ashamed, heartbroken, insignificant, afraid, lonely? Of course you do, because we all experience those emotions from time to time. Susie Crosby is my friend, and she is the co-host of the Bible Talk bonus episodes that drop about once a month here on the podcast. And she and I have joined together to produce a podcast mini-series called Covered, Promises of Hope for Your Heavy Heart. Within each episode of this mini-series, we will dive deep into one of those words that I just rattled off, and we'll use personal stories, Bible stories, and God's promises from Scripture to cover you with His merciful hope for whatever situation you are facing. In addition to those five episodes, you'll also find in the mini series two bonus episodes. Those will be with our ministry friend, Haley Wood. And Haley will share her story of abuse and trauma and loss and wandering and how she learned and is learning to stand firm on the promises of God that help her take steady steps forward. The link to claim this mini series is in today's show notes. And when you subscribe, all the episodes will appear in the podcast directory of your choice. 
Thank you for listening. Now, back to our show. When I say I forgive you, it's about the tone in which I bring it. I can still talk about the hurt. I just don't throw it at you like a dodgeball. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, so that's within me, between us, and then around us. Um, You know, I'm not going to degrade your character with others. Uh, And uh, each of those, um, they provide freedom. You know, they are they're not just about what I have to do because Jesus forgave me. And if I don't do it, I don't really appreciate what uh, Jesus did for me. And that makes me a horrible Christian. And um, so, ah, there's, there is a good that God is cultivating a freedom for me that, um, you know, for the other person, uh, it should be uh, like, uh, I think about the sweet Sam's lady on Saturday morning at Sam's club. Uh, when they're giving you a bite-sized sample of something, they want you to buy the whole thing. When I forgive somebody, I'm being like the sweet Sam's Club lady offering a foretaste of what God wants them to buy wholesale. Mm. Um, But it's not just that. It's also freedom for me. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to hit those again, those three commitments, because I think those are really powerful because I really do feel like they give a practical answer to what does this look like? So I want you to correct me if I'm wrong, but I wrote this down. So there's three dimensions to this. There's three commitments, if you will. It's the internal one, which means I don't reduce the other person to the two dimensional. You said like, this is all they are. Mm -hmm. Right. And then there's the commitment that's between me and the other person, which means I lay down my Trump card when I could bring this up. I choose yes. not to. Right. And then the third one is around well, if us. I bring, it up, I bring it up as hurt. I yes. Just... And right. Yes. I'm not using it to minimize you or to take up more space than you or some of those things. Yeah. Uh, to, to maintain control even maybe. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the third one is around us where I choose my words carefully. And if I'm going to speak of it again, I'll put, I'll say, I speak of the hurt, not the anger. I don't I don't degrade the person you say, I don't talk bad about them. I don't try to uh, to dimensionalize them, if you will, to other people. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great summary. Yeah. I love that. I think that's very practical and really, I really appreciate that. And one of the things that the Lord's really kind of opened my heart to, I tend to be a very black and white person. I want there to be a right and a wrong. And, um, and I'm like that with myself too, because I, Mm -hmm. I struggled to believe if I'm not all good, that I'm any good. Right. And, um, and the Lord's really tried to uh, help me offer more grace to myself, but also very practically offer more grace to other people because none of us are all good or all bad, much to my dismay. Right. We all, we all have goodness in us, but we all make mistakes and we all hurt people mostly, at least in my primary relationships unintentionally, but it's very much there. And I think that idea of like, the two-dimensional is, it's really, that's really important to me right now. So I want to ask you about forgiving and forgetting, because I was taught at a young age that forgiveness means forgetting. But as I've gotten older, my experience anyway, is I don't think so. I don't think that's what it means at all, because I know memories of something that we've been through stay with us, even when we do try to do these practical three commitment kind of things you were just talking about. And so if it's not about forgetting, what do we do with the memories? Um, what do we do when those surface? What does it mean to remember something painful? Well, how do we remember it? Well, 
And forgive and forget would be wonderful if it was possible. <laughs> um, but when we move beyond like garden variety nuisance hurts, the big hurts, you know, the spouse who their partner was unfaithful for a year and a half. Yeah. And uh, then there was whatever turmoil afterwards and the restoration and the denying and the lying and the, um, you know, they don't know how to forget those three years of my life. Yeah. That like big things happened. Our kids graduated high school. I mean, like that. I can't forget those things without forgetting other things. And uh, as, as awkward as it is, I want to say it's around 2 Corinthians 5. If there's two of the same book in the Bible, I get them confused. Um, but uh, it's one of those passages that on this kind of question, we, we prefer to go, oh, it's just not fair. Um, but it talks about when we get to heaven and we'll stand before the beam of seat of Christ and look at it in context. He's talking to believers. He says, we'll give an account for what we did in this world, both the good and the bad. You know, it just doesn't make sense that an omniscient God forgets. We wouldn't have the Bible we have. Because you know how many like, forgiven sins are recorded in the Bible? Lots of them for all time. Some of them we, we need them because it helps us when we're in that place, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, but then we're like, well, I know it says in there, like, God's going to remember our sins no more. Like that, there's something that's going on there. And I think it's both instructive in our relationship with God and our relationship with others. And so uh, as best as I've been able to reconcile the, the real tension that exists in those truths, I think what it means when God says, I will remember your sins no more, is not that he doesn't know what happened in my life in 1982. Right. But when he looks at me, it's not that the sins are in the foreground and who I am in him is in the background. It's that I never have to worry about when I come to him about what's in the foreground. Yeah. When he sees me, he sees his child. Yeah. He sees the righteousness of Christ. I, I don't have to worry about coming to him and him going, oh, you again. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's not that he doesn't know. It's that it's not forefront. It's not primary. Yeah. He's not going to play his trump card if you go back to your commitment between us, right? Like right. I'm not, I'm not going to throw it down because I'm like you again, right? Here, this is yeah. this is you. Mm -hmm. Right. And so you think about that person who's uh, let's just go back to the spouse metaphor or example. And you know, the spouse who was betrayed forgives and the marriage is restored. That spouse, when they look at their partner, it's not that they don't know what happened. Yeah. It's that they see husband, they see wife more than they see jerk, betrayer. Yeah. Um, and uh, it, as we forgive well, as a skill, as one that we get better at, as something that happens developmentally, it has kind of a a process to it that, um, you know, one of the, I use lots of awkward metaphors in my book, but uh, 
you know, sometimes we talk about things that change. Um, and it's kind of like when we talk to our kids about puberty. Uh, we don't talk about like voice cracking and getting emotional and then look at them and say, do it. Um, we, we talk about it so that as those challenges emerge, it's safe to bring them up. Mm-hmm. And so those things that are progressional, that are developmental, sometimes we study them not to execute them perfectly, but so that the challenges along the way in doing it feel safer to talk about. Yeah. And then over time, they become more real and solid. Um, and, you know, part of, you know, I'm a counselor by heart. Uh, my primary responsibilities are not preaching and teaching. Um, yeah. And I think preachers and teachers are wonderful. I love them. I have several of them in my life. Uh, it, they get really excited about destinations. And most of the work that's done on forgiveness is done by people who are excited about the destination. As a counselor, I'm a journey person. I'm a process person. And so being able to, to kind of map out, this is, these are some of the common challenges. Again, we got a common starting point. We got a common uh, destination that we're looking for, but the journey, the terrain, what we're navigating, any number of factors can, uh, can influence that. Um, but for somebody who feels like what I want is a companion, I want somebody who will walk a tour guide more than just somebody who's at the end going, you can get here. You can get here. It's worth it. Keep going. Um, that's more my calling and style. Yeah. I love that because I think you're right. I think we can hear the message. You need to forgive. It's good for you. God instructs you to forgive. And someone listening says, I want to forgive. I, I want that freedom. I don't know what that looks like or how to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Appreciate that. So let me just ask then if someone that's listening is, is, in, is stuck in a place of unforgiveness, maybe holding on to past hurts again, maybe not intentionally, but just doesn't really know what to do first. What does that look like when you're working with someone? Maybe would you tell us what's a practical step that is good to take as we work to try to practice this taking steps on the journey to forgiveness? So again, the type of thing, uh, usually when we get stuck, uh, we usually don't get stuck on the petty stuff. Uh, you took my parking spot when I was employee of the month uh, is usually not one that locks us down for a decade. Um, it's, it's things that whether we're talking big T or little T, they're traumatic. Yeah. Uh, they, they shape our life. Um, and so sometimes we struggle to forgive because we really haven't grappled with how this affects me. Yeah. And it feels like because of that, saying I forgive you is minimizing what happened. Yeah. Now, when we say I forgive you, that's kind of the ultimate non-minimization thing. When we say I forgive you, what we're saying is that Jesus had to die for what you did. Nothing else would take care of it. Um, but if we're talking about the person who says, I really struggle to forgive my parent who abandoned the family when we were three years old and we went through all of this hard stuff. Um, well, sometimes it's not so much that they struggle to forgive as it is they just haven't grieved. Yeah. 
I like that. I appreciate your message in that so much. What came to mind as you were talking for me was to give yourself enough grace to say, I'm in a forgiving process, like to use your words, right? Like I'm forgiving instead of I've, I've forgiven. Like, you know, I think sometimes we're like, I need to wake up today and just forgive this. Well, maybe I need to wake up today and say, I'm learning to forgive this, right? I'm, I'm, I'm in a forgiving, uh, mode, if you will. I'm like taking steps on the forgiveness, as you say, on the forgiveness journey. As we get a more robust picture and we kind of, we turn forgiveness like a jewel and we're looking at it from different angles. Um, As we study forgiveness, we're not just learning, um, you know, what God did for us, what we're supposed to do for others. We're learning a whole lot about the tenderness and care and compassion of God's character um, and the good fatherliness of God uh, is something that uh, it just starts to bleed through in a way that uh, I think you gain an appreciation for it uh, that you wouldn't get uh, if the only life experiences that we had were the ones where forgiveness was easier. I think something that has been so helpful to me as I've prayed through a couple of things that were challenging for me to forgive or to really identify what forgiveness was, was in that situation. You know, it's just, as I've prayed about it, as I've spent time with the Lord about it, if you will, to feel him come alongside me and care more about my hurt then I could care about it. I don't even know if I can express that right, but to just feel him sort of wrap his arms around me and that hurt and that situation and to know that he was loving and invested and walking right with me in it. Somehow it helped me let go of the need to either be seen as right or to be um, to able to hold on to whatever, like somehow I felt like it was strong to not let it go, you know, those kind of things. And I, I think his his presence in it uh, just is, I think it, it can just saturate our heart and make it just easier to say, I'm going to focus on that. I'm going to focus on your presence in this hurt and focus less on what I can't change now. I think one of my favorite images of that is, uh, in the Chronicles of Narnia series. And I'm the kind of person I'll go to Narnia as often as you let me. Um, but Uh, In The Magician's Nephew, kind of the first one, Diggory's the character. He's looking for a cure for his mother's cancer. Uh, Aslan, who is the representation of Christ, and um, he thinks Aslan's going to be mad at him. Mm. And so, you know, you see this point where you got Diggory. He's looking down at these huge paws with the claws on it, and he starts begging, like, please, please, won't you? And you can tell there's like this urgency, like he's expecting resistance. And as C.S. Lewis kind of takes us into that, he says he looks up into the eyes of Aslan and he sees these big, ripe tears uh, that he realizes that Aslan must actually be sadder about Mm. his mother than even he is. And Aslan says to him, like, you know, dear child, again, this is doing the fall scene, but it's like only you and I know hurt in this world yet. Let us be good to one another. Mm -hmm. And you just see this God coming to us of feeling things, of harmonizing that 
Romans 8.26, being able to translate the hurts of our heart that we can't even put into words yet. Um, You know, that uh, our icy pain cannot be silent before God because the Spirit is translating it perfectly to where He gets it. And you see that in the midst of what's going on. It, It does change that internal resistance bracing that we have um, to following after what God wants for us situations that really are hard. It just breaks and wears us down, but only in the sweetest, best, purest way. Yeah. 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 I love that. Thank you for that illustration. It's just, it's breathtaking. It really is. Yeah. Before I let you go, I always end on this. I want to know, I love to share resources and I wondered if you would just give us a peek into your life right now, what are you listening to studying, watching, reading anything uh, that's keeping you connected to God right now, bringing you joy, bringing you peace, anything? Yeah. I, uh, a couple of things. Um, one would be, uh, there's a new book that's come out by Eliza Huey on, uh, it's called the whole life, the whole life. They have been yeah. on the show. I love those ladies. Awesome. <laughs> yes. And so something that just says, what does it look like? Yeah. That is, we are trying to be God's ambassadors to others. How do we practice good self-care? Because God just doesn't want stuff from us, but for us. Thank you so much for spending this time with me. And I want to encourage you, my friend, that um, Brad has a lot of resources and his books and all kinds of good stuff can be found at his website, bradhambrick.com. And I will link that and his new book and all that kind of good stuff in today's show notes. And I encourage you to look into all that again. Thank you so much for being with us today. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for the invitation. And thank you for listening, friend. Until next time, peace. Thank you so much, Brad, for gifting us with your time today. There are a few things from this conversation that are going to stay with me for a long time. Romans 8, 26, again, from the Passion Translation, the Holy Spirit takes hold of us in our human frailty to empower us in our weakness. Next week, my ministry friend, Sandy Cooper, will be my guest. Sandy and I met in a group for female podcasters, and we both felt almost instantly that we had found a kindred spirit in each other. Sandy will be with us to share her story of learning to hear from God herself instead of depending on others to speak for him. I know you're going to love Sandy. If you have an extra second today, would you please consider rating and or reviewing the podcast? Because that does help other people find us. Thank you so much for listening. I pray wherever your day takes you, you're walking in the confident knowledge that you are a beloved, cherished child of God. Peace.